You Hector? Am I on, guys? There you go. Hey, Hector, don't go away. Come over here, buddy. Thank you, Sarah. I, I think sometimes we just totally forget uh, how incredibly grateful we should be. Just the, the quality and uh, how worshipful our music is, is just, uh, Hector, you are a gift to our church, buddy. I'm so grateful for you. I really am. Uh, these guys, uh, these guys constantly um, do what uh, what Sugar Hill Church asks of my my friend and my fellow pastor here, and that is to uh, to lead the way in worship. And uh, we are a blessed people, and and are grateful, buddy. This afternoon uh, at three, and then again at six, Hector and his team are going to lead us in O Night Divine. And uh, it really is pretty cool, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I know I am too. And, uh, but I wanted you guys to know, um, man, from a pastor's heart, uh, that you just can't imagine the, the joy it is to be able to worship with you every Sunday, knowing uh, every single Sunday uh, our worship pastor is prepared, he's ready, he's prayed up, and uh, nobody could be more sincere Nobody could be uh, more, more desirous of wanting the Lord to show up in a big way than Hector Cervantes. And uh, buddy, we love you. Thank you. So uh, we do have a lot of stuff going on around here, including I do want you to show up tonight at either three or six, or if you want to come for both, that's cool too. Uh, usually the three o'clock is a big number, so you just kind of pick. We did something kind of cool for you this year for O Night Divine. It really is an evening of worship. Christmas worship, and so we, we have the company that uh, made this little wood carve-out. It's a cool little ornament for your home, but then each uh, night this week, uh, you can find on the app and also on the website a PDF you can, you can uh, download or print, and it's a family devotion to start off Advent. So uh, we want to make these available to you today and prepare you for that uh, because it really is a very cool season. And if you're like me, man, trying to find materials where I could sit down and have a short devotion with my family, that's a pretty big deal. And so we want to make those super easy for you. And then ladies, uh, Thursday night is simply Christmas and uh, it'll be at 7 p.m. I think Dana told me we had about 30 tickets remaining uh, and that's probably pushing it. So make sure you buy those today. Uh, it's a cool way to bring a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor or somebody uh, to be with you on Simply Christmas. Rachel Lovingood will be our speaker, and it really is a very, very, very cool event. The food will be great, and it'll be a wonderful night. Ladies, uh, right after the service, just find the table straight out the door. And, uh, and then just a reminder of Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is on Sunday this year. And so we'll have a 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. And then we'll do another service at 3 p.m. So uh, like if you're a, a typical Sunday morninger, man, come on. It'll be a really cool service. If, if you're like, like me and f family kind of has a tradition where you do church on Christmas Eve, it'll be at 3 p.m. And it'll be a little different than the 9.30 and 11, but just come on and be a part of one of those or all of those and whatever's convenient for you. Hey, I want to give a great shout out to the uh, Buford Wolves and a great year that they had today or this year and say to Coach John Ford, thank you for leading well. Man, I'm telling you, I believe the Buford program has got the right dude and uh, congratulations on you guys. I know you wanted one more game, but uh, man, you'll be there next year, I have no doubt. And then congratulations, North Gwinnett playing for a state championship next week. Yeah. Come on, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, 
I think that really is pretty awesome. I want to introduce y'all to a program you may not be aware of. And uh, Scott, if you and your coaches kind of make your way on up here. And guys, stand up and ladies, stand up uh, affiliated with our Georgia Force program here. Uh, yeah. So you guys may just, y'all stand up for just a minute. Yeah. So what you may not know is uh, there is a program, uh, and I don't know the official name, but I think it's the National Homeschool High School Association of Football, et cetera, right? Yeah. Yeah, whatever that thing is, you guys are your national champions. And uh, how cool is that, huh? Yeah. So, uh, hey, congratulations to you guys. I mean, how cool is that? They get rings and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's pretty cool. Y'all can sit down for a minute. But, uh, Scott, grab that mic right there and turn it on. And Oh, come on now. Oh, you knew my size. Right up here, it says fat. <laughs> it's that, so easy to buy clothes for me. That, that is a, an original 2004 Georgia Force Arena football team jersey. That's a bad boy right there now, I'm telling you. Yeah. So um, this is Scott Willis. Scott Willis is one of our own. Hey, do I, do I remember right that you were the chairman of the building group that built this building, right? Not this building. The but other the other one out there, yeah. Scott, Scott got off of the boat with Noah and started coming to Sugar Hill Church. And, uh, and see all those gray hairs? He's earned all of them. Yeah, he has daughters too. So, uh, yeah. So explain all these folks and what they do and tell us a little bit about what the force is and what it's all about. Uh, I'll, try, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Uh, 2004, um, had the opportunity to uh, be able to start this program uh, as a ministry. Uh, my wife uh, had sent me an email uh, basically stating that there was some individuals looking for a uh, football team to start in the Gwinnett County area. And uh, short, long story short, uh, I responded to the email and uh, told him I had played college football, played at Peachtree High School down in Dunwoody, played at App State, and that I had an interest in uh, helping out this program. Because I had two daughters that were homeschooled. I have no, no sons. Uh, they're all right down here. And um, so I got an uh, email reply back um, six, seven weeks later and uh, forgot all about it. And I uh, came home. My wife had mentioned uh, that the email, uh, she had seen it and that they found a head coach for the football program. And uh, I told her, I said, that's awesome. I was, uh, you know, who is that? And she said, well, it sounds a lot like you. And uh, I, I told her, I said, I did not say I wanted to be head coach. And she said, did you say you would help out? And I said, I did. And so she looked at me and she said, I think this is something that God wants you to do. And so I grabbed a piece of paper and a, and a, and a pencil and I started uh, putting together information. And basically we had two, two players at that time in 2004. So I had struck up a relationship with the Georgia Force Arena football team and I wanted to be called the Gwinnett Force. And they told me, no, you, you're going to be called the Georgia Force. And so that basically in, in, the, in the short of it is how we started. Uh, we've been in existence for 14 years. Uh, we've actually won three state championships uh, and this is our first national homeschool championship. There's two national polls, uh, the NHFA, the National Homeschool Football Association, which uh, Chuck had referred to. We just won uh, two games in Panama City Beach, Florida. Uh, we beat a team out of Kansas 29 to 20, and uh, in the championship, a team out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, 22 to 21. So. Uh, 
So obviously, uh, one thing about us as a program, we have no school funding. There is no brick and mortar. So everything we do is through um, player registration, through uh, local sponsorships, and uh, so when the baskets are passed around, just make the check out to Georgia Force High School okay, football. We're <laughs> okay, we're done. So, so <laughs> Dude, I'm dying here. <laughs> so anyway, coaches, as far as this staff, we have a lot of volunteers that help us and a lot of people involved. So uh, Steve Riley is uh, our defensive And one of our own very cool guys. Steve, yeah. obviously, as here. Uh, Steve's been with us since 2006. Uh, this is this is Coach Colton Cooney. Coach uh, Co Coach Colton uh, played football at Texas A&M. He had the uh, he had the uh, uh, opportunity to block Von Miller during his career. So uh, and this is uh, so Colton uh, helps our he uh, coaches our defensive line, and we have Coach Troy Cooper and. Uh, Coach Troy is our offensive line coordinator. Gene Tuggle, who is our offensive uh, coordinator, calls all our plays. And then we have uh, Kurt Mosley over here. Uh, coach Kurt is our JV head coach. And we also have cheerleaders. So this is Coach Becky Patterson. She's our cheer coach. <laughs> and our other wonderful coach, Brittany. so Brittany, that's right, Brittany McDonald. And we have, we have Amy Davis, who is our AD back here, cheer AD. So anyway, that's our staff. So it's been, it's a great program. And uh, uh, we've been actually, we play at Gary Perkle Park here in Sugar Hill and been in Sugar Hill for 14 years. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us, man. Thank Thanks, Scott. Love you, buddy. Grateful for you and your family. Yeah, you guys got it done, man. That is cool. That is so cool. Uh, hey, listen, I'm serious about uh, making sure, ladies, you get to Simply Christmas. If you've never heard Rachel before, she is uh, she's pretty awesome. We've been in the uh, process over the last few weeks, and uh, we've shared with you we're trying to raise $660,000 before the end of the year purely for mission and ministry in the life of our church. We're, uh, uh, we're probably about 100 grand behind where we were a year ago, which represents a couple of checks that haven't uh, come in yet, which would be awesome. So uh, I've met with a lot of folks. So if you know, if I call you, odds are good, I'm going to ask you about money. Uh, if I call you, I'm asking you about money. My assumption is you have it. If I don't know who you are yet, you probably ought to meet me, especially if you do, because we've got a long way to go. And, uh, but I really, I really know it's, it's been an extraordinary year of mission and ministry here in the life of Sugar Hill Church. Uh, let me ask our team to come forward now and take up our offering. And uh, as you do, if you're new around here, it would be such an honor if you'd take one of those uh, guest cards in the seat back in front of you and fill that out. I promise you we won't come knock on your door and mess up your afternoon or evening anytime. Uh, but we'd love to share with you just something by mail or email, however you'd like, about Sugar Hill Church and let you know about that. And then uh, want to let you know that uh, during, uh, over the past week or so, uh, I've met with a good many people who are not members of our church, have never been here, uh, but they're thrilled about what's going on in our community and how the Lord is using Sugar Hill Church. And uh, those folks have already given to, uh, to your church a little over $40,000 and never been here before. And uh, I just find that to be awesome. And I'm so grateful that the Lord has put some of those folks in our path. So thank you for giving generously and letting us be a part of uh, so many things. Let's pray 
And then if you would, just give generously today. Lord, we love you and thank you. This is your day, and we've come to rejoice and to be glad in it. Uh, Father, in this season of Christmas, I'm grateful we can stop and remember folks in our community. Lord, allow us to meet every need that you place in front of us, and let us be good stewards that we might serve our community well. Would you multiply these offerings in the basket and the bank for your glory and for your kingdom? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. While, the, uh, while these baskets are, are being passed, let me tell you a couple of business items. We, uh, we have a new budget for next year, and it's on a single piece of paper in the table in the uh, foyer, right, when you go out in the lobby doors. And you can take this look at it. If you have any questions, call or email uh, Bobby McGraw, just bobby at sugarhill.church. Uh, or you can pick up the phone and give him a call with any questions you may have about our budget. That means we'll, it'll be available today and next week. We'll vote on it officially the uh, three weeks from today. And then also back there are deacon nomination forms for you to be able to suggest deacons uh, to serve in this next year. And you are welcome to be a part of that. Uh, I, one of the things I'm very excited about is all the stuff that's available at our store now. And uh, you might see this, this new cup here. It's really super cool. And I have no idea what we're selling it for, but I do know the proceeds on this go to our benevolence ministry. We had, uh, uh, you know, we, we did about 300 children for Christmas this year, which is a ton of stuff. Thank you. Uh, your, your, your generosity has been overwhelming in that. But since that time, we've gotten about 10 or 11 families that have significant need. Uh, and quite frankly, Susan stopped me in a parking lot today, and when Susan starts blubbering, I know something's up. And uh, we just, we got a lot of families still in need. And so, uh, we had a little boy after the 9.30 service, I think he was 10. Uh, he brought his birthday money and uh, gave for a family in need over at that table. I thought that was just pretty cool. Uh, what a cool kid. I can't wait to find out who he is. That, that's just awesome. And then we had, uh, over at our PATH project, we had a, we had a family, they had a fire, and literally their uh, uh, HVAC and the siding on their home melted off. And uh, so we're, we've, we've got some we got some contractors ready to go. We've got families in need. If you can help another family, uh, that'd be awesome. I'm not going to take up another offering. I feel I'm just beating you to death about money, and I'm sorry. Uh, but would you stop out the table? Just when you step out to the right, you'll find Susan's table, and there's a million ways to help with those families. Take a left and go over and see our store, and I would appreciate it. Today, I want us to get started for an Advent series, though, about the Christmas why. This is kind of one of those seasons where it's a season of significance. How could we go into this Advent season and how could we have this Advent season be a season of great significance in our life? Because the fact is the Christmas story has been told a million ways and a million more ways. And there's, there's nothing really new or exciting to overstate about Christmas other than the fact that the Christmas story itself seems to get a wash in a world full of everything else. I mean, am I the only one that finds, I, I'm a bit like Charlie Brown this time of year where it's like there is so much to do. There are so many families to serve, so many folks in need, so many gifts to buy, so many expectations to try to meet. What in the world do you do in this season? Well, some 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And prophets in the Old Testament, by and large, didn't bring good news, they brought bad news. Because the prophets in the Old Testament, they were kind of the go-between word from God to the rest of the people, in particular, the people of Israel. And so when these folks, these people of Israel, kind of rode a roller coaster of, okay, we're on the top of the mountain, we love God, everything's good, all the way down to the bottom, where it's like we're worshiping idols, we don't love God, and they swing back up. And these, all of these prophets show up in the Old Testament to bring correction and direction. And so 
so when a prophet speaks up by and large, it's not really joyful news. It's kind of a difficult news. Well, if you skip forward to the book of Romans, then you start finding out why and what kind of news they tried to deliver under the old covenant and what it means to us over here in the new covenant under Christ. And so this is really the story of Christmas, but it doesn't sound like Christmas. It, it, you, don't, you don't hear a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes here. You don't see a manger scene here. So if you jump into the first text today, then we're looking at Romans chapter one, verse 18. And here's what the text says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, nothing about that says Merry Christmas. Nothing about, nothing about that is like peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What, what the text is trying to say, though, is this, that God is not pleased, God is angered when we willfully sin in his presence, which is everywhere. And it's kind of like when, when my kids were little and I knew they were telling me a lie and I was catching them in the lie, but they kind of dug into the rut and said, no, I'd never tell you a lie, and yet I knew it and how heartbroken I was. This is how God the Father is saying, my heart is broken over people. My heart is broken that from Adam and Eve, when they first messed up the Garden of Eden, from the time in which they first kind of walked away from God and his desire for their life, that all the way through today, all of us were birthed into this addictive sin that we, that we do. So let's just make sure we're all on the same level here today. So if you've gone the last seven days and you did absolutely nothing wrong, nothing, no thought, no act, no deed, you did nothing wrong, no attitude was bad, you were absolutely perfect this week. Can I see your hand? Okay, so we're all liars and cheats, right? We all got that under control. We all have come to the same level where we are in desperate need, just like the people of Israel were, to have a prophet give to us a promise that could be fulfilled. Well, before we go there, though, let's take a look at one more text, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And here's what that text says. For everyone has sinned, and we all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now, what the text is giving us a picture is this. If you could step back over there, say to uh, underneath that one stained glass, and you'd say, I'm going to put a target there, and I'm going to walk over to that stained glass, and I'm going to take an arrow, and I'm going to draw it back, and I'm going to fire that arrow and try to hit the mark. Odds are good because I don't go around shooting bow and arrows all, all day long. Odds are good I'm going to miss that mark so badly that y'all might be in danger. If the standard is perfection, we're all going to miss. Because God has said he is all about love. He is, he is the only thing perfect. He is love by definition. And here we are in his world, in his creation, and we're anything but perfect. But God loved us so much that this prophet, some 700 years before Jesus was born, who was in, in, in a time of an awful, ugly, evil part of the world, literally falling under a godless king, Ahaz, who is, who is, just think of the worst tyrant that we know in our lifetime and multiply that by about 20, you got King Ahaz. And, and Isaiah, the prophet, steps in and says, wait a minute, here we are wa all wallowing in kind of our own selfishness and in our own sin. Here we all are in one of these positions where we're in different, different stages and yet definite need of a savior. All of us come to the same level. And at the foot of the cross of Christ, we all care 
carry into that space, into that time, a desperate need for a savior. Isaiah the prophet makes a promise that the Messiah, the coming king, would reign over this earth earth with peace, that he would come and he would usher us into not just a season of gifts, not just a season of remembrance, not just a season of tradition. He would literally reign over this as a king and a prince of peace. And in this text, when Isaiah begins to unpack the promise of God in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, Isaiah gives us four titles that this prince of peace and how he will lead and what he will do. But the big message behind it is the Christmas why. Why this way? Why Christmas? Why the birth of a savior? Why in a little hamlet like Bethlehem? Why into a feed trough? Why? Why does he preach at the, chap- at, the, at, the, at the temple at 12? Why does he live a sinless life? Why does he have to give his life? All of this is the, is the story of Christmas found in the prophecy 700 years before Jesus is born. You see, God was not distant then, and God is not distant now. He was not silent then, and he is not silent now. But perfectly and wonderfully, in his own timing, he is fully involved. He's not tuned out to our perils and our fear. He's not tuned out to our insecurities and anxieties. He is and he was listening. Now, the big difference is that today, there's no prophet that has to stand between us. Jesus came and he came to be born in that little stable that we don't have to have a middleman between God and us. He came so that as he could be a king of kings and a Lord of lords, that he could come as fully God and fully man He was the only one who could forgive every sinful thought, every sinful deed, and every selfish attitude. He came that we might have life in abundance here and life eternally in heaven. In this this prophecy, the, 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 the prophet Isaiah is saying that a promise is being made and a promise will be fulfilled. So what we know is that history, not just Bible, but history records some 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah is saying, here's what's coming. What's coming is Jesus, and he is going to be the second part of the Trinity. God the Father is going to love all people and loves all people. God the Father loves you. It doesn't matter where you were last night or what you were doing. It doesn't matter how bad you you may think you are. It doesn't matter how bad you really are. You cannot make God the Father not love you. To the degree that in our sinfulness and in our selfishness, God the Father, in love with us, sent a Savior that we know as Jesus in the second part of the Trinity. And when Jesus left this earth, he left us the third part of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, that he might direct us. So God was not distant then, and God is not distant now. God was not silent then, and God is not silent now. Just because you can't hear him doesn't mean he is not working for your good and for his glory. And in the midst of all of this, the prophet Isaiah says, we all are going to need and we all need a savior. But it might be helpful to understand what kind of savior, what what kind of Messiah would God send? Because if you put it into the context then, a king was somebody who came into town and, and they beat people down into submission. They would, they would place them into slavery and, and, and they would rule over them with fear. A king, an earthly king in that time, they, most of them were not good guys. Most of them were tyrants. And now 
Isaiah is saying in 700 years, a new kind of king is coming. And this, this king is going to be more glorious and a more powerful superhero than you could ever imagine. But he's not going to rule with fear. And he's not going to rule as a tyrant. And he's not going to force you into who he wants you to be. He's going to ask for you because he loved you first to simply love him back. You know, the great things about giving gifts is how fun it is to give a gift that has truly been thought of for somebody you love. When, when you know somebody so well that you could give them exactly what they want, exactly what they need, and it always fits. It's always, it's always great when you know that you, you've thought through the, the perfect gift, and it's not December 24 at 4 p.m., and you got to rush out and get something, so you grab some kind of cologne, and it's like, I thought about you all year long. I mean, it's just that somebody came. So from 700 years for the prophecy on to the birth of Christ, we've had 700 years for God, our creator, to say to us, I'm going to give you a gift that is overwhelming. And listen to how Isaiah described this gift in chapter 9, beginning of verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for, for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And so what, what we see happening in the midst of, of this prophecy is that A, God has a plan. And, and he's writing this, and Isaiah is speaking these words to a people who are living under great tyranny, under great oppression. And he's saying there's coming a time when you don't need a prophet because the king is coming. That first song that we sang, that Hector wrote, where it talks about our king is, is here, is the picture here in this text. It's, it's, it's pulled really from this text. Our king is here. Why? Because we serve a just-in-time kind of God. I don't know how many times I found myself in, in the midst of great trial or in the midst of great tr trouble, and at just the right time, God does what only God can do. And at this point, when Isaiah is saying this, the whole world is in that position. I need something to happen. I need a hero to step forward. And he says, wait a minute. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies, he will make this happen. Well, what is he making happen? Well, he had a plan, he had a promise, and his promise is a person, a ruler unlike any other world leader. He's both human, a child will be born, and he is both divine, God's son will be given. How many times have you heard that on the Charlie Brown story? And you've wondered to yourself, how does that define God, man? Well, the child is what? Born. But God's son is given. And we see the gift some 700 years old. And we find in here God's plan, God's promise found in the person of Christ, ruling like nobody else, a child being born, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders, meaning he will rule as king. Now, when you put those three definitions, doesn't that make more sense? It makes perfect sense for you to look at that and say, well, this is why people had a hard time and still have a hard time trying to understand how is it that God the Father, the creator of all this world, could still love me and all the whacked out stuff I've done with my life. Here's the answer. I have no idea. I can't imagine a love that deep. I know what my life has been like. I know how many stupid decisions I've made. I know how selfish I am. I understand all that, and I can't fathom how a God who knows all that still loves me. 
Let me turn this around. And all of whatever's going on in your life, it's so hard to imagine how could a God love you? How could that happen? Well, in the middle of all this, we, we find out that those four titles underscore really the character of this God-man who would come to be king. And the first thing was that he would be a wonderful counselor. Now, I look at that, and I don't know how many of you have ever been to see a counselor, but as one of those people that counsel a lot of people, one of the things I've learned is this, that not every counselor is for everybody. I mean, if you ever come to see me, those folks who have already been here, if you ask them, well, what kind of counselor is Chuck? He's not one of those guys that kind of pats you on the head and says, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, every now and then he'll look at it and say, well, you just made a stupid decision. Just suck it up and work your way through it, right? I mean, that's in love. But you know, there are other counselors that you need who are, they really are. At the moment, you need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. Let me just stop and say, I'm not your boy. Right? I can refer you to people who have great deals of mercy. Amen over here from somebody who has seen me. If you're watching online, make those checks payable to Sugar Hill Church. But the wonderful counselor, when you dig, out, dig down into this, has a whole other connotation. It, it, it literally says when you dig into the ancient translation that he is a wonder of a counselor. So you, you don't go to a counselor because life is great. You go to a counselor because you need help. You need wisdom. And the hope is that in that counsel, in that wisdom, that you have a greater opportunity to become all that God the Father designed you to be, that you might find forgiveness and peace in his son as he came, and that you might invite his spirit to direct and lead you in all of your life, because all counsel ought to lead to that end. And any counsel that doesn't lead to that end probably is missing the entire concept of him being a wonder of a counselor. There's a big difference in being wonderful counselor and being a wonder of a counselor. Because literally, the, the, the text is saying, with him, in him, around him, Jesus is the end of all counsel. All truth, all knowledge, all wisdom is parked right there. So if you keep climbing the ladder and the organizational chart of great counselors, inevitably you're going to get to the top of the heap and there's a huge difference from Jesus down to number two, three, four, and five. This is not like the college football poll because this is, this is there's no question. This is why as a church, you have to look at it and say, this isn't really our church, this is his church. He is the head of the church, I'm not the head of the church. You're not the head of the church, he's the head of the church. Why is he the head of the church? Because he is coming to get his church. You see, he came in, in a little stable, but he's coming back as a king. Jesus had a promise to fulfill because he is a wonder of a counselor. He doesn't need and he doesn't want my counsel. He wants me to be the recipient of his counsel. Because he first loved me, what he has in store for me is everything that is for my good, everything that is for your good, and for his glory. This is a wonderful counselor, a wonder of a counselor, who has come for you that you might have all the authority and all the joy and all the peace that only he can give you. Now you might be in here today and say, well Chuck, I don't understand that, okay? Watch this. Nobody else does either. How could somebody love you that much that God would take his prized possession, part of himself, and send it here in his nasty, filthy world that his, his little boy, part of God, would be born in that nasty stable? 
that the world would literally say there's no room for you, that would have to flee and, and, and go to another country to get away from the sin and the hate of this world, but that would come back and would live this sinless, perfect life that he might give his life on a cross and his blood might be shed that we might have life and we might have life in abundance and we might have life eternal, all for his glory and all for our good. Because at that same level, we all needed not just a wonderful counselor, but a mighty God. We needed somebody that was strong. When you take that, that phrase, mighty God, literally it says this, this heroic, strong God. We need a hero. We need somebody that can ride into our life and do what only he can do. There's not another book. There's not an, another leader. There's not another faith. The only thing in desperate need is that Jesus and Jesus himself rode into our life as a hero, born in a stable and living this perfect sinless life and giving his blood and his broken body, that we would accept that heroic act on our behalf. That we might say, because you love me first, I love you back. That we might say, you are a heroic, strong God. I, I, can, I can honestly say, if, if you connect mighty God and wonderful counselor, it clearly means that this God become man possesses the ability to carry out all of his God's brilliant plans and might bring you into that plan. That in this promise, it wasn't just a promise for you, it was a promise for you and a promise that you might join. That God did not come and do all this, he did not come and, and take humanity and wrap the skin around himself, that we sit in church for an hour once or twice a month, but he called us into this glorious, mighty God role that he might empower us, that we might live how he has engaged us in his redemptive plan out in the world. And you say, well, Chuck, listen, I, 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 I need the counselor. I got it. Chuck, I need a little strength in my life. I'm backed in a corner. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to receive the help. I just don't know what to do. Remember this, this mighty God in this frustrating world, when we are weak, he is strong. When we are even more weary, he is our knight in shining armor. He is the strength that gets us from where we are to where he wants us to be. He is not counting on your strength. He's not counting on your goodness. He's not even counting on your generosity because you see, he already has more than enough for all of us times all the rest of the world. This mighty God, it, it, it is a king who will be awake all night long. He is, a, he is a king that will carry out every brilliant plan for your life. And he is a king so powerful that he can absorb all the evil the world has thrown at him. This king cannot be killed. This king cannot stay in a grave. This king can heal. This king will rule. This king is waiting for all that will trust him, sitting beside the right hand of the Father. And he's saying to you, in my most wonderful counsel, I'm saying to you that I want to give you enough strength that you can say yes to a Jesus that has already said I love you so that you might be with me forever. You see, the message of Christmas is the message of the gospel. The message of Christmas is the message that the prophet Isaiah called for 700 years before. We are going to have a wonderful counselor. We are going to have a mighty God, and we can also call him everlasting father. When you dig into the original text in that, you know what it really says? That we have a father forever. 
I recall the night that my dad passed away. My dad died the greatest death of, of anybody could ever. My dad sat down with a bowl of strawberry ice cream, ate the whole bowl and died. I mean, this is the way to go, man. You know, I mean, think about it. My dad in an instant went from people telling him how fat he was to walking on streets of gold like a stud. I just think that's awesome. I cannot wait to get to heaven and hang out with my dad. I mean, we, we can eat all the ice cream we want in heaven. Come on, man, that's good, isn't it? I mean, seriously, like when you get that butter rum stuff, it's got the pecans and all that stuff in it. That'll bless your situation right there. But I'd give, I'd give everything in my possession to have a five-minute talk with my dad right now. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many of y'all stopped me at some point and say, you know, your dad married us. Your dad was there when I, my dad had a heart attack. Your, your dad preached my mom's funeral. Your dad, I hear those things and I think to myself, I'd give, I'd give anything if my earthly dad could have been my forever dad. And he will someday. But for right now, somebody's got to step into my dad's seat because there, there are times I get in my truck and I, I'd, I'd give anything if I could hit a button and I could, I could call my dad. But there's coming a day when I don't have to have a phone to call my dad. Because you see, what happens is Jesus came to give us a father forever, an everlasting father, loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for your best. This fatherly compassion from this king will never come to an end, the scripture says. This is a picture of an everlasting father. My dad was no more a perfect dad than I am a perfect dad, but I'll promise you, my heavenly dad, he has the ability to be a wonderful, mighty God and counselor. He is a good, good father. He is the dad that we all wish we'd had. He is the dot dad that never goes away. He is the dad that never has to sleep, and he is the dad that has never died. He is the God that has always been there and will always be there. He, he sent his son to be the Alpha and the Omega. He gave us his son that he would wrap skin around his God type, and he would be born into our filth. He is the God that you cannot run away from. He is the God you cannot hide from. He is the God that you cannot make fun of, and he is the God that will always love you. He is the God that knows everything about you, and he still sent his son and he still would send his son and he has sent his son and that my friend is the story of Christmas that you are loved it doesn't get any better than that there's nothing better than that I am so grateful that that I have at least one person in this world that loves me aren't you I am so grateful because this 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 it's human life is it's is not fun sometimes But this dad, this, this dad never leaves me. And he never wants you to leave him. Because you see, a mighty counselor, a, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the scripture says that he's more than a good, good dad. He is the prince of peace. Of all the things that Jesus gives us in this story, and all the things that Isaiah said the promise of God that he would fulfill with that he would bring us peace. In this season, I don't know about you, but I'm in desperate need of times of peace. I, I hit a season sometimes like you where I am so people fatigued and I am, I am so, so overwhelmed by the season. It's just like, Lord, just give me a break. And I, I, I haven't talked to one person today where I've said, man, how you doing? That they've said, I'm doing so good. Not one person said that. You know what they said? Oh, you know, very good. 
I don't even know what that means. But you know what I say when you say it? Yeah, well, yeah. And together we church talk, don't we? Yeah, well, yeah, bless your heart. Yeah. Isn't that how it happens? Seriously? And yet, I've got a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and then he comes in and he jumps off of the high rope with the bionic elbow and slams the world and said, Prince of Peace. And you know what I want? I want to be on his side. I want to be in, I, I want to be in his foxhole. I want to be on his team because with him comes peace. And when my soul is at peace, I make good choices and I build relationships. And without peace, I make horrible choices and I destroy relationships. You see, this prince of peace is going to wipe out every enemy of God. But he's going to wipe them out with love, not, not, not with might. He, listen, this prince of peace isn't going to force you to love him. This Prince of Peace is not saying to you, you go give something up and then you come to me. This Prince of Peace is so at peace because he has all the counsel, he has all the power, and he is the greatest dad of all time that he offers the one thing that we can't get on our own. You can't meditate enough on your own. You can't Deepak enough. You can't Oprah enough. You can't Dr. Phil enough. You can't do any of those things enough to receive the peace that only the Prince of Peace can bring you. And the Prince of Peace has come to say the wonderful plans of our counselor, that our mighty God, that our everlasting Father, that our Prince of Peace has, he has come to invite you into peace. You say, well, Chuck, I, I, man, I'm ready for some of that. But watch this. He, God's not going to keep beating you over the head to force you into loving him. God, God is going to love you so much that you can't help but love him. Because, you see, he's made a promise. And he has already fulfilled his side of the deal. I'll pay for all your selfishness. I'll pay for all your sinfulness. And this is why we ought to follow him as the mighty God. Because he's going to accomplish every purpose. Listen, Satan threw everything at Jesus and he couldn't kill him. He couldn't keep him down. He couldn't keep him from healing. He couldn't keep him from coming back. And he won't keep him when he returns again. Because the promise that is fulfilled will become the people he's redeemed. And you can be those people. You say, well, Chuck, I want in on that. Well, friends, then I give you a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. I give you, without hesitancy, an everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And it's all found in this one name called Jesus. And you say, well, Chuck, how do I get in on that? Then it sounds a lot like this. Jesus, will you forgive me? I, I, my attitudes have been bad sometimes. My choices have been bad sometimes. I, will you forgive me for every bad action, every evil thought, and every bad attitude? And Jesus says, yeah, of course I will. I died for you. I, I, my blood was shed for you. My body was broken for you. I was laid out just dead as a hammer. And there I was in that borrowed tomb. And three days later, I arose like I said I would. And I kicked that stone down and I came. And then I, I went to heaven to sit by the right hand of the Father. And all who will believe me right now and here and now and forever, they'll come with me. When they do, they're going to be joint heirs with me. And we're going to all be children of God. And when that happens, it's going to be unbelievable. You can eat strawberry ice cream and sit with Jesus. And you know what I'm thinking to myself? Count me in. I'm, I want some of that. I, give me some of that, Jesus. I'll take that. Because see, that's the message of Christmas. That's the promise fulfilled. Friends, I give you the final and greatest king in Jesus the Lord. I give you the greatest counselor 
the mightiest God. I, I give you the, the, the forever Father who can bring you peace like you can get from nowhere else. Let's pray. Lord, you, uh, you made a promise through your prophet that has already been fulfilled some 2,000 years ago. You, you promised that you would be our wonder of a counselor. God, I know there are folks sitting in that room that need your counsel and your wisdom. God, there are folks here that are in desperate need of your might and your strength, your power and your heroic ability. God, you promised to be an everlasting forever father. And there are folks in this room who desperately need a heavenly father. And you promised that you would be the prince of peace if we would allow you to reign on the throne of our heart. So today, if your desire is to trust this Jesus, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, would you, would you forgive me? I know I haven't always made the right choice. I haven't always had the right attitude. Would you forgive me? Would you come and live inside of me? And even though I can't really fathom how that happens, God, would you let your spirit take over mine and let my will become yours? I want to stop walking and heading in the direction of more me, and I want to turn around and make a U-turn, and I want more you in my life. Jesus, I want to thank you that you, you came and you were born for me, and you lived sinlessly, and you you died and you shed your blood for me and you rose three days later and you've gone to heaven to create a home for all of us that would accept you as our Prince of Peace and our, our mighty God, our Savior, our King, and our Lord. So God, would you, would you step into my life now and bring me those gifts? My friend, if that, if that was the, the, the desire and the prayer of your heart and you said that sincerely, even quietly in your soul, you're sure for heaven as if you were already there. Now all you got to do is go live like it. So Jesus, thank you for the promise that has been kept. Thank you that you are fulfilling that in our lives even now. God, I'm so grateful that we can become alive in you, that our lives can be changed in you, that our hope can be found in you, that our rest is found in you, that in all things in every possible way, we are found in you and you alone. We pray all that in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord.